Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Radian Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr in Kales River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica. I am Lindsay Shooters, your host on this exploration of faith during this time of crisis, and I am joined, as always, by the rector of the parish, the Archdeacon Rodney White. How do I find you today? Hi, Lindsay, and uh, hello to joining us. Thank you very much. It's been an interesting day because um, I had an, a 10 o'clock wedding up on the mountains of um, the, the hills of, of Kale's beautiful overview of the, 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 the area and the, the beautiful yard that I was in. And um, the place where we were is real smart. It's, it's, it's outside of the church building, so you often get to have to, th- to think your way through how we're going to do the things that we are, are asked to do in the service. But it went off well. Couple is a lovely couple, um, and I really enjoyed being with them throughout of the process. Uh, so it is the third Sunday of Advent. Um, the candle that will be lit today is the joy candle on the Advent wreath. Um, would you like to unpack this theme of being called to turn us from disobedience to God's loving service? I must I must say that that was um, that sort of eye catching. I looked at the collect for the day, uh, the collect for the week, to the person and work of John the Baptist, who were calling people to repentance in preparation for the coming of Jesus Christ. And what are we to turn away from? What are we to repent from? I suppose that. In the Christian world of sin, sin being disobedience to God. And if you look in the prayer book under the um, theme of confession and absolution in the um, in the introduction to the, that service, or those services, you would read that there are four things that we genuinely genuinely see as sin as disobedience to God, to the creation, to ourselves and um, to others. So um, it's interesting that the word, the positive word is obedience, how to um, how to cooperate, how to comply, how to collaborate, even after disagreement. But dis- disobedience is resistance, reaction, hostility and enmity uh, against any any collaboration and working together and a, a person and um, and it goes back for us into the story of Adam and Eve uh, uh, Adam and Eve's disobedience uh, and went on their own um, I hate this happens between us and God, like with parent children. In, when the child has behaved in a way that is disobedient, the parents are either offended, parents are cross, the desire to punish comes in. And how do you restore between the, the person who's been who's been who's who's been who's aggrieved by the action of disobedience, and how do you um, 
get it in the mind of the person who has uh, shown disobedience to to find a way to to reconnect and and that's where it comes in uh, in our understanding would we be able to offer loving service to others if it's not a work of collaboration with god who's already offering loving service to the world so it's a, a vocation the word called called to firstly turn away it's like the baptism call isn't it so we are called from to a life of loving service and who does the calling it is god and in our anglican mindset we have the beautiful word called vocation therefore in baptized a call to turn away from sin to the way of god uh, is uh, is has to be aware of the word vocation called into loving service and then of course loving service with god as a about it a priestly nature um because those who are baptized uh, as it were are, are are invited into the kingdom of priests um they and and so it also have about it the theme of the covenant god established with the people of israel and re-established with us um and if you recall all that at the communion um, prayer when when Jesus takes the cup and yeah. blesses it holds it up to God he says this is the cup of my new covenant um where where the pronunciation of the forgiveness of sin is done so the blood washes away our sins calling us into this new life of the God who just went to the cross in loving service for all of humanity and creation so um old way corruption uh, uh, you know is is challenged and yet not challenged where people get away with you know the gender based violence thing that we've just been through now a focus on it and i hope the focus con- continues um Uh, these are all things that has to be addressed because addressed because we are living in a world uh where people are almost almost uh, uh, de- defaulted in the in their being to to be protective of self and so resistant to god and re- resistance to um a shared life with another mm. um but but he, does life not become more meaningful we are participating in uh, the aspect of loving service compassionate uh, care um where we seeking collective justice uh, and peace for all where we trying to build a society that can address the ills of our times such as poverty illiteracy gender based violence where we can address things like um unemployment um to the large extent where you know in this in this old field now of the covid thing i think the other day it was reported that we have 25% fully vaccinated south africans or those living in south africa mm. 25% of of our current population and one of the professors was saying when they asked are you satisfied with the, the vaccination out, outlay and he said no 
is happening to slow. So what's the resistance when if we comply, isn't it better for everybody? So in a way, our civil, um, our, our call for civility, our call to take on our civil responsibility, caring for the whole nation. It's not just looking after our own self. Unfortunately, uh, this 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 uh, civil um, responsibility and collaboration needs to be spoken across the board, um, not just when it comes to COVID. Um, people need to also comply. You know, when it comes to taxation, for example, some people want to hide their money when some of that money could be used for the benefit of those who are struggling. Um, but then, of course, we have the other issue where corruption in in the system also becomes a problem. So, so now it's two world views, a world in which disobedience is, uh, um, is uh, reigns and rules, uh, and there's a God who is calling us to a loving service, which in, includes caring for the earth, looking after the most vulnerable in our society. Um, these it's hard work. If you don't have a sense of vocation. I'm going to challenge you quickly. Please do. Um, where, where do you stand on the idea of the ACDP? Oh, I had issues with the ACDP when they started. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't expect that, did you? Uh, I kind of did. I kind of did. I mean, we've, we've been doing this for a while now. I, I understand your, your positioning. Let me say, my, one of my encounters with the ACDP happened when I was in Lotus River, where the ACDP comes with, I, I think, I'm not, I, I'm not sure, but comes with uh, the backing of the religious right in America. That's that's my view. Okay. Now, I can't <laughs> say that it, it may be the views, not necessarily that they be being supported financially. So it comes through the churches um, that would hold on to a, 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 the title of evangel charismatic and evangelical churches. Yes. So mm -hmm. different to different to may I add different to Pentecostalism, right? Yeah. Uh, because mm -hmm. a lot of those churches are not churches but are ministries. So the ACTP hijacks events. When I was in, in Lotus River, there was a girl that had been killed. Um, in 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 um, in Otri, and and um, the ACDP's leader in the area hijacked, forced this these people to to do things their way, mm. and I was called mm. in as a community leader to also participate in the prayer, but I could sense in my spirit how they detested the fact that an Anglican priest was involved in this show and the show was not theirs. And what I picked up about these folk in their, in their thinking, they would hijack the term Christian. Mm. And so when the ACDPP had, had now presented themselves in the local municipal, um, what's his name? I certainly didn't see that if you're wanting to present a Christian worldview, if you're wanting to present a Christian worldview, is supposed to represent 
and Jesus, as far as I'm concerned. Now, if you want to do that, but you are saying like um, the Pastor Kenneth Mashur, that vaccinations is, is medical rape. Yeah. And you say this in the face of people who died and tell their people who mourn their deaths and still can't come over it because proper funerals could not be held for many people. Proper celebration of life could not be held for many people. And that burden of grief, you added to now. But you try to point it to the government. Instead of looking collectively and saying like, what is the call for loving service in a crisis such as, 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 as what we are in terms of COVID-19? So somehow it's sometimes very difficult to, to stand with those who claim that kind of stance and then still say they are Christian. I have serious problems with that. Not only that, they, they try to hijack the Bible. They try to hijack what type of worship is out there. I long to work with everybody who's able with me to discover the central idea between us and say, now, now that you discovered, let's work with each other on this regard. But when um, these folk tell you as a Anglican, you're not saved, then what does that mean? Yeah. When they yeah. say, then they lie about the fact that we not, we don't have scripture as part of our of our um, ministry. Without scripture, what would our ministry be like? So, so I I I'm, I I hunger for collaboration with my sisters and brothers. What different to to me in the way that they think. In the way that I do. my brother, who, 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 who I miss very much, who was passed on, uh, had a different um, uh, perspective on religion, on Jesus, on the Bible than I had, and he was drawn to that kind of a, a world, a, a church view, a Christian view, and we would debate. You know, we'd phone each other. It would be. On for a long time, we, from our time, even before we were living together at home, there would be huge arguments about uh, religion, God, and how scripture must be interpreted. Yeah. Well, when we came to, yeah. our, to our years of adulthood, um, we began to mellow, and we seemed to have found the middle way between us. Um, so you can achieve it. I don't... I, I don't say I have to. I I I I have to acknowledge that there are certain stances that I will have to rethink in my own self. Yeah, no, I I took umbrage to a lot of the the vaccination misinformation that they've been spreading lately. Um, it's just bold face bold face lies at this point. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I just urge everyone who's listening right now to <laughs> work with the rest of society and have um, that that party deplatformed um, across all of social media. Um, just get them out of our lives because what they are doing is not helpful at all. Spreading absolute lies about placebo, 
groups um, within the vaccinations and uh, it's just it's getting messy. It's getting out of hand. But I wanted to ask you uh, because a, a, a topic came up in conversation where it's like. The gospel is deals with John the Baptist, my homeboy, John the Baptist again. Uh, but before that, the reading is from Zephaniah <laughs> chapter 3, uh, verses 14 to 20. Um, so Zephaniah, I, I don't know where you stand. I believe it. he is the black Jew. Okay. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Never heard that terminology associated. Yeah, because uh, the father, his father um, was supposedly uh, Ethiopian. <laughs> Cushy. As if nice father means Kushite or Ethiopian. Kushite. Um, yes. Kushite, yeah. Yes. So yes, he, he would have. Uh, but remember, there's a very close association between Israel and, and Ethiopia. Eh? Uh, there's still debate about whether whether the Ark of the Covenant landed in in Ethiopia and probably still could be there. Recently, there was a, a report of black Jews living in some part of Israel whom the local government now wants to move out. Yes. It's become quite a political yeah. They've also just finished erecting um, the border fence um, around Palestine, which now, um, depending on which way you look at it, makes uh, Palestine uh, the largest open-air prison in the world. Wow. Yes. Um, it's because, yeah, you wow. include the blockade as well. And, yeah, it's it's crazy. But we do not want to lose the last time we, we had this conversation. We lost half the listenership. Um, I'm very sorry. We will not speak of polarizing things anymore. But uh, the book of Zephaniah... I said that we we would hope that they wouldn't be lost. They would come back and help us rather than leave the conversation. Yes, that's why I'm I'm saying that um, <laughs> we, we won't speak of the the polarizing things anymore. Please stay with us. Um, <laughs> so yes, absolutely. Yeah, it goes: sing and shout for joy, people of Israel. Rejoice with all your heart, Jerusalem. The Lord has stopped your punishment. He has removed all your enemies. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. There is no reason now to be afraid. So all of the prophets, even like going down to John the Baptist before Jesus gets baptized, they are effectively Jewish at this point. Yeah. And yeah. everyone yeah, I, I, until yeah. Jesus dies on Sorry? the cross. Everyone until Jesus dies on the cross is Jewish. Yes. Yes, as far as I understand, that would be the main um, thrust of their background, I think. And in your theological uh, understanding. Part, that's where theological understanding is always wanting. You can't stop learning and learning and learning as you continue to read to find the proper context for them. And that's so difficult because you have uh, you have challenges when these things were written uh, and hidden away and uh, only discovered 
much later than and have gone through the challenge of the elements. So that is why I'm always encouraged when I read scripture to look at uh, whatever translation comes out, who sat to read the old documents in order to discover what it was that is there. Um, so yes, there would have been that attachment. But remember, even from, from when we're dealing with the Exodus, there some theologians would actually say to you, there's no guarantee that those who left Egypt when Moses moved the people to Mount Sinai, that they were homogeneously Hebrew. And understanding that they may have been that could very well have been part of that group. So, so even though you have people like Ezra and, you know, particularly who wanted to establish this pure Hebrew thing, um, and, and again, did God choose them because they were special when he as, and I, I was I was interested when one person said, uh, "God, as God chooses the church to be the, the, His priests in the world to bring His people back to Him, all people back to Him." So Israel was chosen for that same purpose. So um, whilst there is definitely a strong Hebrew um, understanding and a theological understanding that the background of these people were definitely connected to the Hebrew folk. We 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 just don't know everything about these documents. And we thank God that they continuously are being studied, reflected upon, and the information that is being received is not, um, it doesn't leave the book stagnant uh, mm. and untouched. The waters mm. of reflection and prayer and theological um, interpretation continues, uh, thankfully. So I'm going to go down to the gospel, which is according to Luke chapter 3, verses 7 to 18. So after everything you've said, I, I would like the listeners just to hold that in their minds. And I, I think it, it just emphasizes these words a lot more. So in verse 7, John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abram as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So these are... If you put your, your yourself in, in the mindset of, of these proto-Christians um, coming to John the Baptist, this wild madman out in the wilderness, baptizing people, speaking of ideas that have been carried, that, that echo through the prophets, through the old prophecies. And he's saying that the day is now coming. Like, that is 
an insane path to walk. Not so. Well, what what did this desert boy whose life was um, his formation was in a family where his dad was the priest, hmm. whose birth was so dynamic that it is said when his mother was carrying him and she had visited she had visited Mary, the baby in her bounced as if responding to the Christ child. Um, and then um, we see him uh, coming as the as a prophet interlinking the Old Testament to the new. And uh, it's very interesting, though, you know, one doesn't always find stuff where the Jews, Hebrew people often speak about John the Baptist's role. Uh, you know, one doesn't hear, I haven't read or heard arguments, and I would hope that if somebody did, it would be helpful to know. What does the Jews think about John the Baptist yeah. uh, as the one who... Yeah who was called to speak uh, and, and acted very much in the framework of the Isaiah prophecy. Um, prepare the way of the Lord is what we heard right at the beginning of the Advent season. So what did he observe was going on in the world when he met the crowds and spoke to them? Why did he use the metaphor of brood of vapors. Even the oppressors were listening to this voice coming from the wilderness. Now, I must admit to you, I've often used the understanding of us breathing toxicity through our words into the atmosphere. That's my, my acclaimed statement of the poisonous atmospheres we sometimes create and live in. You know, when people are bad-mouthing one another, you know, you listen to places of work and so on, uh, how people, you know, find it very difficult to, 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 to live and work in that, that Watson because it's so toxic. Um, you know, vipers were a small little snakes but they were dangerous. Hmm. And, and so the, the, behaving, the behavior of the people suggested seemingly to John that this is, um, is, is, is what the world in his eyes, in his ears, was representing. Now, if, if you're going to wake anybody up, then you tell them what you think of them. Yeah. <laughs> you brood of vapors. Yeah. You know. But in correlation with why was he preparing and how was he meant to prepare people for the coming of Jesus? And then he said, who warned you? What is there? Remember, there was a four, 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Yes. Did they contemplate the warnings of previous, like Zephaniah? Did they, did they heed the previous? Because why is it that they became a brood of vapors when these prophets were pointing them to such a time? 
and now you want to flee from judgment. Now, these are very difficult terms to deal with, uh, particularly when you when you are talking of God's loving service. Where does wrath come in? So will will the wrath be against the behavior, the sin itself? Does God judge the sin, the poison of the vapor or the viper? And, and, and once the viper's been set free from the toxins, the viper is okay. Um, and so into this, uh, you know, these questions that John posed, this statement John makes, is to get people to think. Um, not take offense, but to think very seriously. What is John really focusing on? What are we, why are we presenting to him this thing, um, you brood of vapor? So he doesn't leave them with a question hanging. He then leads them to think of what can be done to deal with this. Uh, I remember we had a a conference, the triennial conference of the South African Council of Churches online. Mm. And one of the things mm. that were asked in relation to our nation was, what do you think our nation needs in order to change cause from the way we, from the things that we are struggling with right now, usually corruption and all that, which overshadows the good, uh, that is trying to be done. Uh, uh, and I said, why not we call for a national day of repentance? That was what I wrote into the, to the chat. Mm. Bear fruits mm. worthy of repentance. Uh, um, you know, when, you, when, when two people are struggling to find one another and there's enmity between them, Somewhere in that conversation, somebody has to say, I'm sorry that I did, said, or didn't do A, B, C, or D. That has made you offended. And that happens really, really between husband and wife, between yeah. parents and children, yeah. between siblings in our homes and out there. So that value, so that's why when I go back to the Eucharistic prayer, so that, so that the sins of many may be forgiven. Why does Jesus keep talking about words from the cross as his blood dropped to the earth? Father, forgive them. That's what, for me, is the gospel, the good news, and that the, the essence of forgiveness comes in the, the, the understanding of God's love. So... Constantly, the prophets had to call Israel back from their rejection of God's ways, them breaking the covenant, their word with God. And how do they do that? Through repentance. But not just, just casually saying sorry. But that repentance has, um, has outcomes that is understood to be to be to represent fruit. 
Now, it would seem as if it's not fruit that has been picked yet, mm. but fruit that comes out as a result of the action of repentance. Learning how to say sorry and recognizing that we've been part of the toxicity that the world is in. Um, and then he warns them. Uh, and and you know, we, we as Anglicans use this Anglican priest. We don't say to yourself, we have Abraham as our ancestor. You know, so often, uh, for example, people come uh, based on based on their grandmother or their mother and father's involvement in the church. They come for, let's say, the baptism of their children. Now, we are saying, hold it. Where is your commitment? If you want your child baptized, we are grateful for what granny did and mommy did and grandpa did and all that. And their participation in the life of the church, in the loving service of God. But where are you in all of this? You want to raise your child as a Christian, as a disciple of Jesus, then you must do that by your own example of faith. Mm. So we often would say that. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abram. So your biological connection is futile mm. in a way. Don't, don't hang up on that. You've got to, in yourself, show fruits worthy of repentance. Uh, and so he's calling them to a real radical transformation that they have a role to play in through repentance. Um, it's a wake-up call, as, as people would say, isn't it? Um, a wake-up call. Even now, the axe is laying at the roots of the tree. With, with COVID, for example, people say it will never happen to them and they are under the and protected by the blood of Jesus and all this kind of things until it happens to one of their family members. Now, yeah. they've made yeah. this outrageous um, statement then have a serious dilemma when COVID comes or, you know, comes and takes away. I, I was in a, I was, I was in a, it was real fast, fascinating and sad in one of the parishes I served, one of the ladies who left the church because she went to the small charismatic church, uh, they called me. And in fact, I think I, we had to bury them. But they, you know, they left the church, but we were there with them. She died and was there and in the house. And these people thought that their prayers were meant to raise her from the dead. Yeah. Are they praying in the hope that, that they're powerful enough to convince God to raise her from the dead in the face of her family? And when that did not happen, what does it leave the family to believe? If you now have indicated, don't worry, we'll get her up again out of this dilemma. So we Christians, probably we are the first to be judged. Mm. Axis laying at the root of trees, you know, and so the church is not exempt from any form of being called to book. We yes. we stand accountable. Um, 
The comfort, though, it comes from revelation of John. Um, God's judgments are true and just. And the words that follow that is praising words. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So we look at God's judgment uh, to be fair, uh, to be truthful, to be merciful, to be just. But our response is still um, uh, an attitude of repentance and actions of repentance. Um, I'm moved by St. Paul's words. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's, uh, and even to the Christian church and community, John, in his first letter, writes, if you think you have no sin, you deceive yourself and the truth is not in you. So within our service, there is that appeal to God for mercy, a recognition that the law is about God's love, our love for God and our love for one another and ourselves. And in the light of that, how often we have fallen short. And so we are invited. Let us call to mind and confess our sins. Um, every one of us. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, in there we acknowledge that we have sinned. Uh, and where we also ask grace to be able to forgive others. Um, if there's one problem in the world, it is the lack of repentance and the lack of forgiving. But remember, so we end up as enemies. But remember, John the Baptist didn't baptize for repentance. He baptized for cleansing. For cleansing. Yes. So it wasn't to repent of sins. It was to now, after you have accepted God, to then cleanse your flesh as an outward symbol. So not, not actually to remove any sin that you have committed. Say that again. Uh, it was uh, so... <laughs> I've done a lot of reading on John the Baptist this last week um, <laughs> in anticipation for this. So uh, he was part of, uh, he kind of like broke off on his own and was converting people to a different way or at least a different idea of life. So like more in service to other people. Um, and then the outward reflection of that commitment. So like even in this passage, uh, they ask him like what they should do. So the soldiers ask him, oh, the tax collectors come and they and he's like, no, just collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. And the soldiers ask him, and what must we do? And he was like, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusations and be satisfied with your wages. Uh, so he's like telling people to, if you have two coats, you must share one with one who has none. And it's never like, I'm going to wash away your sins and you can now start a new life. But then he says, the person who comes after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So like, then he, he passes that off to like the Messiah figure who will come and save you. 
Um, so his idea of baptism was 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 a was a very strange one, and one one that I I kind of can relate to a little bit more, where it's like you are still the person you were before, but you are just now making a commitment to live better from this point onwards. Well, let's explore the the question the crowds asked him. What then shall we do? Hmm. So in the light of this new information, this prophetic message, it would seem as if John got them reflecting and thinking deeply and that they were now realizing they needed to respond in a particular way. And it's, 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 um, there's action involved. What shall we do? So in relation to what you are saying and teaching and prophesying, what is it that we, we, we need to do? So if, and then his reply um, challenges issues like morality, issues like how have you cared for your brother and sister, um, issues of, of lifestyle change. Mm. He goes on and says, <clears throat> I baptize you with water. Mm. So what was the your response in repentance? Because that's what John was calling for. You recognize you were to change the way you're living. And to acknowledge that that change is happening, that you're dealing with the bad way you were living to a better way of living, I've baptized you with water. Now that, and so you can't, we can't see what John was doing in isolation. We have to see it in the whole package that this gospel gives us, even in relation to the other readings. So, uh, so this was what would have been a baptism of repentance and our statement of, of baptism our understanding of baptism is that it includes repentance remember we do in our baptism service the denunciation of sin so that we can now pay our allegiance by faith to christ and live the new life and then when that is done Baptism is now in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. John says, I baptize you with water. So it was probably part of a symbolism of a first act of, of, of changing your, 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 you know, that now you've, you've dedicated your life to change through repentance because you're asking the question, what must what must I do? What changes does must happen in my life in response to prepare the way of the Lord? Now, so, so I, and, I, I think and, and, I think we're talking about adjacent concepts, or at least parallel concepts here, where I'm just not crossing over because because like if you, if you take it to the contemporary world, where like the common misconception is like for instance we'll just take a very simplistic overly simplified i must state idea of an alcoholic for instance um my my apologies to recovering alcoholics who are listening um if you have battles with us i know it's a very very complex disease um and there are 
it, it's a long road to recovery. But the simplistic view is, or at least the view that is encouraged by a lot of the shallow rehab programs, is that you now convert to Christianity, you have your, you get born again, you get baptized again, and suddenly all of that has now left you and you are a new person born again in Christ. And that that is not what I believe John the Baptist um, was kind of trying to do here. Well, let me next with with the the, the the whole thing about recovery of alcoholics. One of the things about recovering from from any form of addiction is to acknowledge that you're the addict. Yeah, uh, which is very much based on the 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 form of repentance. I acknowledge I'm a sinner. Let us call to mind and confess our sins. Well, our sins means we're acknowledging that we are sinners. Though the though we are wanting changes in our probably the world hasn't changed. Mm. In that, that process, it's possible for me to become a witness. So when we look at what is offered then to the person in terms of recovering from addictions in the AA, you admit that you're an alcoholic um, and then they provide you with the group sense of support. You get somebody who mentors you, who themselves have walked the journey, and they give you a 12-step program. Now, what does that all those three things do? Those three things do is it you've acknowledged you're an alcoholic and you really want to be in recovery. But you know it takes just one thing to fall back. Now that doesn't mean when you've made the stand to say I'm a alcoholic and I need help, that all the wine disappears. Yeah. But it will still yeah. be around there. And some people may not be affected in terms of alcoholism as you have been. Um, so the issue is. How, what, what must I do? The question going back there. So what must I do? I must acknowledge. I become part of a community. The community, I mean, I like the, the, the alcohol. I mean, I've been to some meetings and I've been to, to um, al- alcohol, uh, what is the other one? Al-Anon yeah. and Alateen, where you yeah. then, as a body, say, Hi, we welcome you. There's no judgment here. Mm. Uh, um, and so it, it then says to you, here we are to support you in this way of life. So, so I think that based on that kind of stuff, uh, that, that kind of thinking, we are given a kind of, I mean, I think AA, when they established all of that, borrowed from the Christian uh, way, and uh, formulated into a beautiful structure to be able to say, how does somebody rehabilitate their lives? How does somebody there now who was in this messed up state of using alcohol, what does his life become like now? What does her life become like now? Particularly for the family that they live 
So there are positive changes. So, so but John says, I baptize you with, 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 with water, but now Jesus will come and through the power of the Holy Spirit, you will be empowered to now live this changed life in community with others. But being aware, the fact is that it just takes one thing to push us back into the sinner's role, one thing that pushes us back into the alcoholic role. How do we, how is this new life sustained? How does it grow? How is it nurtured? And that's where John says, what I've done must then must then be attached to what to the person of Jesus and to what Jesus comes to do so that your life, your your new way of life uh, is then sustained, nurtured, um, energized, and new knowledge being poured into, and you're able to go. Now your contribution, therefore, to um, like with the Alcoholics Anonymous, as you journey with that group, what happens? You be, you can then become a mentor for others. You do then. So as a Christian, um, we 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 then go to the wounded, where God is to offer um, to offer loving service. So. I see a correlation. You, so we cannot take what John did in isolation to all that is happening in this passage. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I get your point. But like, I'm, I'm going to circle back and, and just go back to the point where like all of these figures before Jesus dies on the cross or Jesus himself, to a great extent, was raised as Jewish um, in the Anglican Church, um, and then had the Enlightenment. Um, so he, so you have the, the the Zephaniah thing where it's like, God will, I the time is coming, I will punish you. This is the Lord speaking. Um, I will punish your oppressors. I will rescue all the lame and bring the exiles home. I will turn their shame to honor and all the world will praise them. The time is coming. I will bring you your, I will bring your scattered people home. I will make you famous throughout the world and make you prosperous once again. So this is obviously the Lord speaking to Israel or at least to Jerusalem, the city of Zion. But now Jesus comes. He's born, Christmas happens, the wise men come, they drop the presents there, which is for his birthday and for Christmas, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, much like I feel um, I'm, I'm born after Christmas, so I've, I've had a lot of those. Um, I digress, though. Um, so he loves his life, he does his thing, political movement happens, um, he sweeps up all the people who are following John as well, that John is dutifully kind of primed for him and he makes it to the cross and he dies and the enemies do not get smited it only comes when um, what's his name constantine rolls in and is like we will no longer associate ourselves with the jews and then christianity becomes the dominant world religion and the Jews kind of sidelined from that point onwards only their writings their books 
get incorporated into this new industry, which is called Christianity. So my question, as with almost every week, is what changed? Like, what, what, what is the joy? Because we've now had the expectation, we've had the prophecy, we've we on this road of excitement in these things. Nothing changes. Yes, it does. For the rest of the world. Yeah. He proclaimed the good news to the people. And I think that the presence of the good news of the kingdom of God, as we grapple with this as church, in relation to what's going on in the world, the more we are able to do that, the more we are able to get people to hope. However, how do we do this? Uh, in the in the eyes of the world when the anglican church the roman catholic church the south african council of churches are all saying the good news that we were praying for in the COVID season is for vaccine and then you have the acdp on the other side saying that's not good news. That's medical rape. So what have we done as the acclaimed mm. people of, of God? What, what are we doing? He comes to proclaim the good news to the people. Um, there's no, there's no, although Constantine did what Constantine did, there was no guarantee that that necessarily helped the situation because after Constantine, we had all those wars in Jerusalem and people dying. But so in, even in the life of the church, one then begins to ask, where is this um, underlying reality about Jesus that he came to Proclaim the good news to the poor. So in a world where there's toxicity, where not everybody changes, where not everybody's not listening to being called to God's loving service, where people still want to pursue for selfish reasons a life that suits them but can be um, destructive to others. So we are caught in that whirlwind of self-destruction, if I could, if I could uh, uh, call it that. Years ago, when we were challenging the government as church to change, I think it was P.W. Boerta who said, the churches must first clean up in front of their own doorsteps before they can challenge us. Remember, he was part of the church that instituted um, the corruption of apartheid. So what church was he talking about? So that is why we, we need places of collective collaboration 
in order for us to get close to he proclaimed the good news to the people, the churches need to sit down again and listen to what are we really presenting out there to the world. No wonder people sell the pie in the sky religion and people fall for that. So, so that in my view, sometimes there's no real sustenance in the faith. So, so there's a struggle to get in touch with and proclaim the, 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 the good news that Jesus came to proclaim. There's been so much corruption along the way, and yet our hope is in, the, in that reality. He proclaimed the good news to the people. That's what we need to find again, my view. That is what every preacher that preaches and every person that celebrates the Eucharist, every person that prays needs to, is what I'm doing central to this reality. He came to proclaim the good news to the people. Um, and, and the he is the one whom John said, I'm unworthy to untie the thongs of his sandals. The one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Um, and for me, that's where our hope really lies in. But, you know, many years ago, when I was at seminary, we had um, a, an Anglican priest who visited our seminary for from, he was working in the Anglican church in Israel at the time. Mm. But he was from America. And I asked him, that was, that, was, that was back in 1980s, asked him about the Christianity in America. And his words to me was, I've never forgotten, he says, the cross has been, has been, has been buried by every other gimmick that society has conjured up, including the church. Mm. So the cross is there. So in other words, the fact that he came to proclaim the good news of people is there. But what is it now? How has it been shrouded, deadened by our own, um, you know? So when, when we stand up to preach, do people hear? the good news that Jesus came to proclaim to the people. Um, I, I asked that question one day, and if they're listening critically, if they're listening reflectively, if they're listening in such a way discerningly, so that they do not just accept any mumbo-jumbo that comes from the pulpits, that preachers are challenged. This Father... Franz, when I preach the same Jesus, I asked that question one one service when when Francois was still working when we were mm. still working together, and the people said, "Yes, you do. Yes, you do." That, in its sense, was very affirming. It gave me the sense that they were listening. They gave me a sense that as 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 we two priests in the same parish, we could actually have been preaching. In 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 um, in opposition to one another, we could have been preaching to find out who's the better one on the on the stage. But thank God that wasn't our intention. That wasn't our sense of call. Our sense of call 
is not to a life of disobedience and destruction. It's a life to the loving service of God amidst God's people in all the world. So, so again, I see when my brother, Pastor Kenneth, gets up to speak for the ACDP and says to the world as a Christian pastor that vaccinations is medical rape, how am I to stand alongside my brother and say to him, my brother, please don't lie. When Jesus came to proclaim good news, we must talk about the vaccines in the light of that reality as a church. Mm. Because for us, the good news Jesus is and mm. things is important. Mm. Because it, it grows the reality of our participating in God's loving service to the world. So, so, so based on what does my brother say this? And why, and based on what, am I, I disagree with him? There's no doubt that we, that they are Christians in different camps. So why is it that we can't find the collective way? In fact, maybe the church pastors should ask ourselves, what must we do when you are saying we must bear fruit that befits repentance? And we must admit we are also part of the brood of vapors. We think we preach gospel all the time. And I'm not so sure that that we that we do this. That's why in the way that I preach, and I'm not saying I'm right, I grapple with people on the text. Not to say I found the answers, but I found food for the journey. The hope of the gospel that Jesus brings to the world. And, 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 and that inspires loving service, participation, collaboration in loving service of God. If we, if we are not part of that, then what are we part of? And so that's the challenge I have for myself. That's why I hope that those who left when we speak about things in which we differ, you need to be part of the conversation. That's what exploring our faith means in all times that we go through. Because mm. if we're not talking together to find help with one another, then are we not then contributing? To disobedience rather than seeking loving service. None of us, even though we, we stand at a particular point, have said that that point is not meant to grow. And growth means you sometimes have to turn stuff yeah. in order for growth to happen. So we need one another in this. And when we hear these incredible words, I think they just stand out. He proclaimed the good news. Inspiration from from this text, and it's part of everything that the text was saying, according to Luke. Yeah, I get your point, um, and that's a good place to close off. But I'm going to leave you with a thought, more of a a revelation that I had this week, if you will. 
So I'm I was listening. recounting. I was doing some research just to get the point across about the border war, um, which was actually fought because the apartheid government didn't want to comply with the UN request to relinquish Namibia as a free country um, in 1966. And then the apartheid government spent the next 24 years trying to prove a point um, to the UN that they will not be told. And I was thinking about it and I was like, did the international community unite and, you know, impose the sanctions and everything because of the oppression within South Africa or because the apartheid government wouldn't give up Namibia? And if they had given up Namibia in 1966, would we have had all of the sequence of events that resulted in our ultimate freedom and the free and fair election in 1994? You know, what ifs are really interesting. <laughs> um, Isn't isn't it? I mean, isn't it very interesting that this whole thing, we will just show them, uh, and because of skin color, uh, the other nations where whiteness is a is a factor, won't really do anything to us. Yeah. Like you know, they wouldn't yeah. invade us, but they would invade Muslim countries. Yeah. Because Muslim life yeah. doesn't really count. So the United Nations, um, a very European setting, I think there's a level of racism in all of that. That is why the people on the inside continue to pursue these issues uh, at great cost um, mm. to, to life and mm. and property. I mean, we, we, we can't in 27 years have recovered from 300 years of all of that mess. Yeah. It's yeah. a journey going through. Yeah. Yeah. And I would just hope that the new generations, as well as the older generations who experience this thing, need to talk continuously so that we don't lose what we fought for. Um, right now, for example, we see people in America discussing the fact that democracy may may be something of the past for them and they will end up um with an autocracy um and they would you know their empire status in the world would have shrunk yeah um nations have to learn from nations now i think that um that the persistence of holding on to a viewpoint that you know is destructive to others because you're in power and when they oppose you, you want to silence them. But eventually it comes out to where you have to give up. After so much pain and so much loss, simply because you hold on to a view that you are better than everybody else simply based on the color of your skin or whatever ethnicity means to you. 
is such a waste. How do we then recover and become communities and people who offer loving service? How do you do that? Now, I'm just thinking, for example, popped into my head, the Red Cross. Mm. Red Cross takes no sides, mm. but is there for the victim. It's there for the injured. It's there for the person who died. And they sacrifice their life in loving service. Um, they may not be outspoken about which side is right and which side is wrong. But they're there to... And their message is so profound. What you break, we want to fix up. What mm. you destroy, we want to repair. Isn't that a message of justice, truth, and love? And yet, it's that loving that the Red Cross does. So after much fight of holding on to something that eventually had to be given up on, we must learn as a nation from that. We must, and, and I think this needs to go to Israel as well. Think mm. very seriously what you're doing to the Palestinian people. Unfortunately, we have a Western world that thinks nothing, that claim to be Christian, but thinks nothing about a life of a person whose belief systems are different and who's got no problem in, in radicalizing themselves against that person in the name of Jesus. Where in all of this is what Luke says, he proclaim good news to the people. That was what Jesus is all about. Is that not a message that we need for this world? Yeah. yeah. I guess it is. Um, uh, we will uh, we, we'll, we'll come to that point. We'll, we'll put the pin in that one for the Christmas episode. Um, but if you could please uh, okay. close us off with a few brief reflections on the praise of the church. And thank you very much for this conversation. Thank you very much, Lindsay. I appreciate you. And I appreciate those who tuned in to listen. And I invite more to come aboard. If you can help us develop this conversation. Lindsay, I'm going to close off. That was written um, by Anne Osadek, I think is how you pronounce the name. But she wrote in this year based on the readings. And I think it captures the spirit of this week and what we are looking for in terms of the theme. And it's, it's on this, in the section called Call to Confession and Absolution. What should we do to ready our hearts, O Lord, for your coming? Your Baptist says we must give away our coat. Share our food, make justice for all. Lord, baptize us with the fire of your Holy Spirit. Burn the shaft from the wheat. Gather us into your kind and loving arms. Warm our hearts to share your love with everyone. And so, my brothers and sisters, go now and rejoice in the Lord always. Do not be afraid or worried about anything. 
but in everything trust God and pray. Bear fruits worthy of repentance, sharing what you have and being gentle with all. And the blessing of God, Creator, Redeemer, life-giving comforter be with you always. Of Christ, go in peace with courage to love and serve the Lord. Amen. Thank you very much, Lindsay, and thanks to your family, and thanks to all the folk who tuned in. Love and blessings.